Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? It's been a long day. The legal tampering period has begun, and there's already tons and tons to talk about. The reshaping roster of the Buffalo Bills. We're going to get into all of it uh, tonight. This is the Shout Buffalo Football Podcast. If this is your first time here, where have you been? Welcome in. Hit that like button. Subscribe to the show as well. We're brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets. Whether you're celebrating at home or away this weekend, Tops has all your fan favorites ready to enjoy for football, entertaining, or any occasion. And actually, you can be celebrating any night. I just went to Tops earlier today to pick up a few things. Uh, head over there. They'll, they'll, they'll take care of you. A lot to talk about. People are flooding in already. It's a late night edition of the Shout Pod, but it's it's a fun time of year on tail. But I mean, free agency, we've already seen some big moves and, and maybe, you know, there could be some more moves to come here. Yeah, the, listen, the Bills have been pretty active on the first day of legal tampering. Obviously, uh, they've taken care of some of their own guys, uh, but but then they've also made a few additions. One that I think you and I both saw coming a mile away on the offensive line and then some, uh, you know, defensive line prospects that are going to bolster this unit in 2022 yeah can i take a victory lap here at the start Absolutely. i tweeted out the video i tweeted out the video of uh conor mcgregor when he was like just call me mystic mac because i predict these things i said if anybody was listening or reading i said roger saffold even before he was cut I said, listen, that that they're paying him a lot of money this year. It doesn't make sense. They're going to get a lot of cap space, move on from an older vet. I know he went to the Pro Bowl, but it just made too much sense. And when he hit the market, the Aaron Cromer factor, uh, he was an all pro for the Rams back in 2018. I just thought that that made way too much sense. And it didn't take them long to come to a deal, Ryan. He hit the, the, the street on Friday. He had a deal in place by Monday. We haven't seen the numbers. I've been looking for that all day. We still don't have the numbers. So Daryl Williams out. You save about $6 million, and so you probably figure that Brandon Bean keeps that Roger Saffold hit, cap hit, in this year under that, which is a huge bargain if that ends up being the case because he was set to make like around $10 million in Tennessee this season. 
It's a good move for the Bills. And, and I want to say it was Josina Anderson that reported two years originally. And then Saffold came out and told her something along the lines of the second, you know, just report one year. I, I'd have to go back and look at her tweets, but maybe it's going to be structured as a two year, but really it's, it's more of a one year. And then there's going to be, you know, the out clause uh, moving some money around that way. I, I can't wait to see how this is structured, what it looks like. Uh, but, but Saffold makes a lot of sense. First of all, Aaron Cromer factor. Cromer was with him for two years. Uh, and Saffold played an extremely high level for Aaron Cromer. He was a second-team All-Pro his first year with him in 2017. He was a top-10 guard under Cromer in his second year, according to Pro Football Focus. Uh, so played really well, and that's what led to him getting that four-year, $44 million deal with the Tennessee Titans. So you have those ties there. And then really, if I'm Brandon Bean, we might never know the whole story behind it. You had to know that he was probably leveraging Saffold against uh, Darrell Williams' agent saying, listen, if you don't restructure this contract, if you don't take a pay cut of this size, we have Roger Saffold who, who's going to fit this system and, and uh, has worked with Chrome before. Maybe it never happened that way, but at, at the same time, it just made too much sense. This is the type of situation where Darrell Williams is really good. They started every game for them, but mm-hmm. this is a considerable upgrade. I mean, this is a guy that I think has been amongst the top guards in the league. I mean, you go back when he signed with the Titans two years ago, which, by the way, he revealed today that he considered the Bills before he made that decision. The money just – they offered him more money in Tennessee, and there's a reason they did. He was one of the top guards on the market. I remember doing one of those free agency shows, second year on the beat, and we talked a lot about Roger Saffold and how that could be a, a really stabilizing force for this line. And so now he comes in here. He has a history as a run blocker. I think you upgrade in that spot. You know, I think he's getting a little bit too much heat for his ability to – to pass protect. I think he probably holds up well, especially pairing with um, uh, Deion Dawkins on that left side. And then you figure things out on the right side. Who knows? There might be another vet coming. You might address it in the draft. You probably bring back Ryan Bates on that uh, RFA tender. We'll see how that progresses, but this is a really good uh, uh, apex over on YouTube. Uh, Saffold said he's got a really close relationship with Stefan Diggs. And that was one of the, one of the reasons that he was also as comfortable as he was signing this deal. So the other uh, bit of uh, uh, strutting I have to do was over. So I put out a piece on Sunday, Ryan, you know, a couple people on the beat. I thought um, Joe Biscaglia did a, a terrific job with his uh, being a GM. And he basically, he had charts and graphs and uh, salary cap figures. He, he plotted the course for the entire uh, off season for Brandon Bean. It's a really good read. I highly recommend you check it out if you haven't already. And so I was kind of looking to do a little bit of a different take on that. And so I, I, I spe- went specific on free agency and I said, all right, here's 16 moves. Okay. Eight that I like, eight that I don't. And you could go read that. It's up at Syracuse.com right now. I joked around after Tom Brady uh, came back that I probably got to take <laughs> Rob Gronkowski off that list, who I would have been a move that I like. But two of those moves that I liked and kind of quasi-predicted, Roger Saffold and Tim Settle, who ends up uh, being the defensive tackle that the Bills signed today, one of two. Daquan Jones is the other one. And it's funny, Ryan, when I put that tweet out, uh, when Schefter reported it, I quote tweeted it and said, okay, Settle's a Bill. Uh, I'm interested to see what the number is probably comes at in at the lower end. And I think this probably means that Harrison Phillips is, is gone in free agency. And I got some pushback there. A lot of people thought, Hey, listen, I don't think this is going to be the case, but I kind of saw the writing on the wall. This was going to be a situation where Harrison Phillips was going to get that kind of money on the open market, which he ended up getting with the Minnesota Vikings, mm-hmm. 19 and a half over three years, 13 million in the first season, uh, cap hit, or maybe it was 8 million in the first season, 13 million total guaranteed. That is crazy money for Harrison Phillips. As much as you love him in the room as a player, that's a lot of money to commit to a guy that, you know, he's had some injury problems. 
Listen, I, Bills fans, you're going to love Tim Settle. Uh, in 2020, when we, I was looking at trade targets, I had a whole article just on Settle alone. He's someone that if you look at his stat lines, you're not going to come away impressed with them because he was kind of buried on the depth chart there. But every time he had an opportunity to play with Washington, he really showed out. He really played well. The problem is they invested really early picks in that uh, defensive line. You had Jonathan Allen. Uh, you had Deron Payne. Uh, Matt, I'm going to butcher his last name, Iodonis. So he was like the fourth man on that line. But every time he played, he was outstanding. He's really good against the run. He's shown some juice as a pass rusher, versatility to play uh, one tech, three tech. Bills fans are going to really like this. And I'm guessing, and again, we don't know the contract terms. I think it's probably going to be a very team-friendly deal where he's going to get the opportunity to play a lot more in Buffalo than he did in Washington and where he can kind of cash in maybe on his next contract because this is someone that's just 24 years old. I was I was just on the Joe uh, Joe Miller John Fina show over on Buffalo Rumblings uh to Twin Twin Bill tonight uh a shows. I was mentioning this. This reminds me a lot of the the Jordan Phillips deal. Getting a guy on the low, letting him come in and earn where maybe there wasn't an opportunity at his previous stop. And we saw how well that worked out for Jordan Phillips. And I think for me, Settle's got more upside. I was watching some of his highlight tapes, Ryan, from 2019. I just started going through them. They had him rushing off of the edge in certain packages. I mean, this guy has crazy athleticism. One of the the, the big, uh, you know, consistent things in scouting reports is you go across those free agency, you know, rankings lists. One of the things I kept seeing, and I think it was a PFF and maybe the NFL.com one, is his ability to rush the passer at his size. He's got really good athleticism, quickness, able to get off the line. That's something I think adding to the mix is going to be really cool for the Bills and for Bills fans that are wondering, all right, what should I think about this guy? My brother-in-law is actually a huge Washington Commanders fan. He's in, He lives in Virginia. He's He's been a Washington fan his whole life. And he texted me as soon as the, the news broke and he said, basically, damn it. Uh, I think I put the exact <laughs> quote in my story. He's like, you're going to really like Settle. He's really good. You know, Bill, talking about Bills fans. And it, to your point, it was just a situation where he just didn't have an opportunity uh, to, to play enough. And so now, you know, he's added into the mix. Daquan Jones is added in the mix. I'm not as familiar with him. I got to do a little bit of a deep dive. Uh, but you put out a story in terms of uh, four things to know about him. Mm-hmm. He played the, uh, his whole career in Tennessee before last year in Carolina. What do you think the Bills are getting in him? You're getting a true one tech in Daquan Jones. And, you know, I know a lot of fans like, oh, another Carolina Panther. This isn't really a Carolina Panther connection. Like you said, man, he spent the majority of his career with the Tennessee Titans. Uh, He's someone that, again, really good against the run. But this past season was one of his best uh, seasons in terms of getting after the quarterback. A lot of pressures. He's not going to be a big sack guy or anything like that. But someone that's going to, again, help with this defensive tackle rotation, help this defensive line. I think they're going to be a lot more stout against the run than they have been in the past. Now that they were bad this past season, they still had their moments where they let up some big runs. They had some games there. Uh, another low-key signing that I, I think in terms of contract numbers when we see them, Bills fans are going to come away really pleasantly surprised. Also a Binghamton guy. So he's from this, hmm. you know, about three hours away from Buffalo. Just opened up a lounge there, a nightclub slash lounge. So it has ties to the area in a certain extent. Uh, so kind of a cool story there. 
So Daquan Jones, uh, he played out a three-year, $21 million deal with the Titans that ended in 2020. Uh, and then last year, he signed a one-year, $4.05 million contract with the Panthers. So depending on, you know, where that lands this year, I'm interested to see where, you know, if you're talking about an $8 million cap hit for Harrison Phillips, I think there's a really, really good chance that Settle and Jones combined come at under that. And that's, to yeah. me, that's a Brandon Bean special, if there ever was one. Yeah, I, I think you nailed it. I think those two numbers, the cap numbers, will come in lower than that. And and listen, Harrison Phillips, when uh, went healthy, he played at a very high level this season. We've also seen him, though, out with some serious injuries. We've also seen some up-and-down play in his career. So if the Bills can sign two guys for that rotation that are going to be factors and, and play week in, week out, over Phillips, it's they're good deals, and and both of these guys extremely durable. Um, I, I believe it was Settle that's only he's played most of the games over the last four seasons, like appeared in them, and then Daquan Jones again, same thing in his throughout his career. He's pretty much other than at one four game stint, I want to say in twenty seventeen, off the top of my head, he missed four games, but every other year with that he's been a starter. He started every single game. So you're, you're getting guys that are going to be out there on the field a lot based on their histories. Let's stick on the defensive line for a second and talk about now that the Bills have made two interior plays, right? They've lost Harrison Phillips. They're still their two edge rushers are still on the market. Mario Addison and Jerry Hughes. Where, where, what's the temp? Let's take the temperature on Chandler Jones. Obviously, like I've seen it kind of out there a little bit that, you know, or at least people like, I don't know if they're actually reporting it, but people that are just like kind of saying that they think that Chandler Jones might be one of those guys that reached out to the bills to see if there was interest there. I've seen kind of like a bunch of stuff on it. I don't know if anybody's actually reporting that or not, but what do you think about Chandler Jones at this point? I I think it probably could be a situation where maybe there is interest. And I just don't know if the bills can get that number high enough to in the end entice Jones. Maybe it ends up being a waiting game and, and, you know, all right, I really like this situation. If I'm Chandler Jones, I could come in here, be an elite pass rusher for them. That's the one thing that I think that the real thing that they can that take that can take their defense to the next level. Obviously, they need some help with DB, and we'll talk about that as well. But can the Bills sign Chandler Jones? I still I think that there's a chance, but I I keep coming back to the numbers, and and it's been a long time since since Brandon Bean gave somebody more than ten million per year. I think you got to go all the way back in free agency to Mitch Morse. Yeah, it's going to be tough, but I think no news is good news right now with Chandler Jones. I think that he was one of those guys that wouldn't have shocked anyone if he would have committed to some kind of deal pretty early in free agency, despite his age. Uh, he, he's one of the better pass rushers on the market, so the fact that he's still out there is good news. There's obviously been links to him being tied a little bit to the Broncos. Uh, one publication accidentally published a story saying that he had signed. Um, that, that's every writer's nightmare is to have something accidentally published like that. This says it's, it's, they've agreed to terms or something like that. It hasn't happened yet, but uh, according to Ben Albright, someone who is very reputable, he has said that uh, Jones is the Broncos plan a, so they might be making a push for him. And the fact that they have, uh, Russell Wilson. Now they have a lot of talent on that offense side of the ball. If he's okay, going to maybe, the, well, definitely, I would say the toughest division in football and fighting for a playoff spot there, that might be a landing spot. But if he wants to return uh, close to home, somewhere where that he knows very well, somewhere that there's a little bit easier of a path, maybe to get that one seed in the AFC Buffalo makes sense. It's going to come down to 
how many years are you going to offer him? Because, you know, you, you can structure it in a way where maybe the cap pit in 2022 wouldn't be much for him if it's a multi-year deal, obviously. So that's just one of those factors that are going to play into this decision. One interesting thing that could happen, I, I don't have any intel on this, but just something I'm spitballing. What if you're Chandler Jones and you say, okay, you can get up as high as $7 million for this season in terms of a cap hit, right? Let me sign a one-year $7 million deal. Come in here if you think that you're going to kill it, have a chance to win a Super Bowl, and kind of go the Jadavian Clowney route. And if you kill it and you don't have some of those other concerns and you 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 post like a 13-14 sack season in that Jerry Hughes role, then you can cash in next offseason. Who's to say that the Bills aren't able to give you a multi-year deal next offseason when that cap goes up a little bit? That might be a way that you know both sides can kind of find a happy medium. That might be... You know, whether if it's the Bills or not, maybe it's another team. Maybe that could be the holdup with Jones right now on the market. Yeah, listen, Jones came out before free agency and said it, it's not about money with him. It's it's about f- finding the right situation where he can be Chandler Jones. Now, with the Bills, then maybe they have to convince him that they're going to let him loose. They're going to let him go after the quarterback. Uh, and that could be a potential hang up there. Maybe it's another team that has a better game plan for him. So if it truly isn't about the money, it might come down to the sales pitch from each team. How are you going to use me? Uh, are you going to drop me back into coverage? It didn't happen a lot this past year in Arizona, but it happened a few times, and I don't think he liked it whatsoever. So uh, I think that when you're at that stage of your career, you've made a lot of money. You've won a championship. You, you're been, you, know, you have been a premier player in this league. Now it's just about how are you, which team is going to use me the best so I can enjoy these last few years of my career or maybe one year and then, like you said, get paid uh, in 2023. It's going to be really interesting to see. But like I said, as long as he's out there, there's a chance. Are you guys hungry? I'm pretty hungry. I mean, there's there's always a good chance that I'm hungry. I didn't eat dinner yet because I'm just rushing around. I got out of class. I did some uh, – I wrote a story. I went on another podcast. Well, it's got me thinking, like – I might have to run a tops after this, get some hot to go pizzas, appetizers, signature fried chicken, baby back ribs, subs, delicious salads, brownie trays. They got everything you need to feed the hungriest football fan. All right, where do you want to go next, Ryan Talbot? I'm going to volley the ball over to you. Let's just go biggest winner of the day for the Bills. Like It doesn't have to be one of the the, uh, the players signed specifically. Is there someone in mind that, that comes to mind? Is it a coach? Is it a I got one. teammate? Yeah, go ahead. The biggest winner of the day is Ed Oliver. Boom. I agree. Ed Oliver now, and it's more of, it's not so much that they necessarily need these big one techs that can play one tech, because I think both Settle and Jones can play one tech. But I think it's about having that reliable depth that allows you to, to deploy Ed Oliver wherever he feels the most comfortable. I thought he got to a point last season where he was rushing pretty well from the no spot when they asked him to do it. And so if that's got to be a situation where you ask him to do that for a percentage of plays, that's fine. But I think the more talent you add on that defensive line, like everybody makes a big deal out of Aaron Donald. And guess what? Rightfully so. He's the best defensive player probably to ever play the game. But look at some of the, the defensive lines he's played on. I mean, Leonard Floyd out there. I think Robert was Robert Quinn out there for a little while. Oh, no, Dante Fowler. That's what I was thinking of. Dante Fowler. They've had significant amount of talent at time. Wasn't Indomicon Sue off there for a little minute before Tampa Bay? Well, he was there. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of like the the crossover. I would think so, though. Anyway, the point being, if you go back (laughs) year after year, there's been some some talent on those defensive lines. Yeah, back in 2018, 
Sue played on the, the LA Rams when uh, that was actually the same year that uh, Roger Saffold had his big year for the Rams. W- was that the year they went to the Super Bowl and lost to the? Yeah, they lost to the Patriots like 13 to three. It was a real stinker of a game. Exactly. So that's, that's <laughs> kind of my point is that you look at some of these de- young defensive linemen. I feel like getting talent around them. It's kind of the same way on the other side of the ball, what they've done for Josh Allen, right? Put as much talent around him as you can. I think Ed Oliver's a big winner in the moves that they made and potentially the moves they still can make. All right. So I don't know if, if defensive tackle is now on the docket in that first round, unless you have just an unbelievable grade on Jordan Davis, if he falls, which I don't think he will. Devontae Wyatt, Devontae Wyatt, maybe one of those players, but I don't think it's as much of a need now because of the players that you added, even even after losing Harrison Phillips. Yeah, no, I agree with that completely. But even in round two, if uh, Travis Jones is there or something, maybe. Uh, but it's not as much of a pressing need, and there still are pressing needs on this team. Obviously, you mentioned earlier, cornerback comes to mind. Uh, we got to kind of wait and see how that pans out. Still some pretty good cornerbacks out there. Uh, but we've also seen others go out and get, uh, you know, uh, $16.5 million on average in, in J.C. Jackson. we uh, we saw Carlton Davis return to Tampa Bay, making some good money there as well. So uh, you might have to wait for the market to settle a little bit before you see the Bills kind of jump into that cornerback market. But you you showed, uh, you mentioned one player that was released today that uh, has some ties to this team, ties to this coaching staff that maybe could come in. He was uh, released, so it wouldn't count against the compensatory pick formula. Uh, that being AJ Boye. So some, some interesting names still out there. And, and, you know, obviously Boye is low on that list of interesting names, but there, there's options to be had. Speaking of the, uh, the comp formula, it's, it's setting up kind of nice right now. Like the Bills mm-hmm. may be in play for a comp pick. I mean, y- you look at that big deal that Harrison Phillips signed. If Levi Wallace gets a big time contract on the open market and the numbers we get in eventually from Mitchell Trubisky on a two year deal with Pittsburgh, you got to figure it's probably starting at around 12 million a year. They're looking at a really good spot unless they go out and, and do end up inking a deal with a guy like Chandler Jones. But that might be something. To, uh, oh, somebody saying Trubisky's contract was disappointing comp wise. I didn't see a number on Trubisky. Yeah. Can you get up to like 27 million? Yeah. It, it was mm, kind of on okay. the lower side. In terms of what I think a lot of, especially what I was kind of thinking too, when when you saw the options start dwindling up, so base value fourteen million, yeah, I mean it, it probably wasn't what a lot of people were expecting. I think some people thought it was going to be crazy money based on some of the tweets that were out there leading up to free agency. So it, it might factor in a little bit, but yeah, two for fourteen, and then it can get up to upside of twenty seven million. Thank you, Josh gotcha. and Gregory. So. Um, you know, maybe not what you were looking for initially, but you, you have that. You, you have the uh, Harrison Phillips contract. If you know, like you mentioned, Levi Wallace, maybe maybe Jacksonville needs a cornerback. They're just throwing crazy money around. Maybe they can <laughs> sign him to a huge deal, and uh, that can benefit the Bills too. But Ryan Talbot, Zay Jones, twenty-four million base could be up worth up to thirty million dollars. I've always been a Zay Jones. I guess fan from a human perspective. I like to talk to him in the locker room. I, I always kind of hoped like, Hey, he went to Vegas, like good luck. And, and he actually had a decent year last year, but that is crazy money on top of paying mm. Christian Kirk four years at 85 million. I don't care how many uh, mixed drinks that Christian Kirk had out in uh, on vacation with Josh Allen. That was never landing in Buffalo. That, no. that, that, that playing was never landing here. 
No, and I don't think it was any surprise that uh, that contract was one of the first ones to be agreed to and announced uh, early on Monday afternoon. I'm pretty sure that when the agent got the call from Jacksonville with that offer, it's it's pretty much equivalent to that player that you love falling down the draft board and running the card up to the podium. The, the agent had to say, listen, we're not getting a better deal than this. If you're cool with Jacksonville, if you're good with uh, playing with Trevor Lawrence and trying to get this team into the mix or into the playoff hunt, then you're not getting anything better than that. I think I saw uh, something mentioned that down the road, he's going to have one. Of, I mean, he already has one of the higher cap hits in terms of average annual salary, which is crazy, which Stefan Diggs is probably just licking his lips right now, looking at the, the money that was offered at Christian Kirk of all people. But if you have to pay Trevor Lawrence on the road, you, you could end up having some big salaries, some really you know bad contracts uh, there in Jacksonville based on what we're seeing so far. But maybe they're built to be one-year outs in them. Uh, time will tell, but initial shock value is certainly there for a lot of the Jaguar signings today. But see, this is like the danger of building through free agency. Like the, I shared a, a, a episode from the NFL football show. Robert Mays does a good job over at the athletic. He had Bill Barnwell from ESPN on, and it was a really good episode where they talked about, all right, what have we learned from recent years? And they obviously focused a lot on how well the bills have used free agency, but even at the moments where the Bills kind of took swings back in 18 and 19, 19 specifically, they were calculated moves. Mitch Morse was considered by most or at least some to be the top center on the market. So you you pay for that. Cole Beasley, they got it a pretty affordable deal for what they were going to ask him to do in this in, in, in this system. And then John Brown, they structured it in a way that they could get out of it pretty quick. These kinds of deals, and maybe you can get out of them, but they're throwing a lot of money in free agency the other part of the, the equation here is if all of those don't work and you don't draft well, it's going to st- you're going to still be left in the same spot. And I, the most important thing is throw money at the offensive line and putting, you know, uh, Trevor Lawrence in a position where he can uh, be successful. But, man, it seems like it's a little bit too aggressive of approach. I remember when the Jets went aggressive a couple years ago and they signed C.J. Mosley to that crazy contract and they made a couple other deals and. Last year, they signed Carl Lawson that got a lot of praise, but he gets banged up and, you know, he, he isn't able to play. It's, it's a dangerous game to play. And some of these bad teams hoping for instant fixes, they, it tends not to work that way. You know what I mean? You know, bad, listen, bad teams overpay and Bills fans know they've been there. They know that when this franchise was down, the only, the only way to get some players to sign was it to grossly overpay. And maybe that's where Jacksonville just is right now. Um, despite having Trevor Lawrence, one of the most hyped up quarterbacks in, in college coming into the NFL in quite some time, um, it might just be a tough sell to go to Jacksonville at this point in time. So the only way you can do it is just grossly overpaying these players. And that's exactly what they're doing. So it's going to set them up in a, in a tough spot down the road. It's, it's very strange. I saw uh, Scott in the comments here say something along the lines Jacksonville is paying Kirk, Zay, Ingram, and Marvin Jones the equivalent of Diggs, Mike Evans, and Cooper Cup combined. Yikes! You know that, that's all you, you know. That's all you can say to that. I mean, that that's rough, and it, and it, it's part of the business, though. It just is what it is. Once you start winning, once you can change the outlook of your team, the culture of your team. Yeah, it's it's going to happen at this point in time in Jacksonville's just the way they've been playing. So if they turn things around here in the next year or two, if they can even get to, to second, you know, second place in that division, 
are fighting for second place, maybe then they'll have a more competitive balance in terms of contracts going forward. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. Um, I want to get into more of the impact of the moves today on the Bills, and we're going we're gonna to get into that, of course. But what's something around the NFL today that maybe you know perked your ears up or made your eyelids raise a little bit? I'll start it off. We talked a lot about um, Emmanuel Agba the last couple of episodes. Mm. Obviously, you were a big proponent of the Bills, you know, uh, maybe targeting him in free agency. You would have liked that move. Now, it's funny. You put up a story. Agba said the Bills were actually in the mix, but the final number for Agba, let me bring this up and maybe you have it off the top of your head, but it was four for 65. I want to say oh, four for 65 with over 30 guaranteed, right? Yeah, that's madness. That was, listen, I like the player. Like I like the, see, this is what people sometimes confuse about this. Like we were talking about this. I like Emmanuel Agba. You remember we were talking about this last year on the show. Mm-hmm. I the Bills should go after him. I like the player, but you got to put the player into like for every Trey Hendrickson, there's a handful of other other guys that just don't make the kind of impact that kind of money needs to yield in terms of results. And I think we've seen the best version of Emmanuel Agba in that Miami Dolphins defense. I know they're going to have a new uh, coordinator. They got a, they they got Kyle uh, or uh, Mike McDonald there. They're going to have probably a new defensive scheme. Who knows how it ends up working? But I just thought that was way too much money for Agua. A lot of money. And, you know, someone pointed out ahead of time, well, he he agreed to terms with the Dolphins or re-signed with them at 11.50 a.m. before the legal tampering window even opened. Let, let's not be naive. These agents talk to these teams at the Combine. I'm sure that they went back to Agba and said, listen, here are the teams. Here's Miami. There's Buffalo. There's the Colts. There's the Ravens. All teams that were in the mix for him. I might be missing one. But they knew what the Dolphins were offering. They probably knew they weren't going to get that from Buffalo and Baltimore and Indy, et cetera. So Agba's comfortable in Miami. Uh, maybe he feels optimistic about the new coaching staff and regime and they can turn things around. They obviously have a giant issue at the quarterback position, uh, in my opinion. But, you know, like you said, with that kind of money, it probably wasn't worth waiting until the legal legal tampering period actually opened to see what the official offers were. All right, let's get back to the bills here. We talked a little bit about Saffold at the top, the two interior pieces uh, on the defensive line. Isaiah McKenzie, the bills re-signed him yesterday. I think that caught some people off by surprise, Ryan, and the numbers came in. And I think that was even a bigger surprise. The bills with a cap hit, of only 1.87 million for Isaiah McKenzie this year. That is madness. I mean, they're paying him 4.4 million over two years. That is, that is such a, I said, it's a steal. What a benefit to be able to bring him back in the mix. If you move on from Cole Beasley, you have your starting slot receiver next year. What did you think of the move? And what do you think that means in terms of the, you know, the receiver position? Well, I'm not sold that it means that they're out of the receiver position going forward, whether that's free agency. Obviously, as soon as Jarvis Landry was uh, was released, there were tweets tying the bills to Landry uh, from multiple outlets. So it wasn't just one person. That that was kind of interesting. Uh, I think it does mean that Beasley's time is probably coming to an end sooner rather than later. But you can still draft someone, whether it's a slot or an outside receiver. You can still bring someone in. 
But but what it means for the Bills is they're bringing someone that has you know has played in this system, and obviously the system will be a little bit different now that Dable is with the Giants. But there's going to be a lot of similarities there. You saw what he could do out of the slot against uh, man-to-man defenses. You'll have a better idea of what he can do versus zone. You know you can use him as a gadget player. You can put him in motion pre-snap. You can possibly even use him as a return man. Uh, time will tell there. So you're getting a lot of value for the amount of money you're paying him, uh, especially can, you know considering what some of these other players are getting out there. Now, mind you, he was never ever in the same stratosphere is like a guy like Christian Kirk in terms of the money he was going to get. But when you look at a, a cap pit of under $2 million for knowing what he potentially could do in this offense, if Cole Beasley's out of the picture, uh, I think you can, we're going to look back at this contract potentially as, as one of the better steals of free agency. It gives you that versatile piece. I don't, I don't, th- I agree with you. I don't think that, this move uh, precludes them from doing anything when it comes to the receiver position. And that means addressing it in free agency to get a vet in here. Um, I don't know if Emmanuel Sanders is the play. Like there's this adage in fighting, Ryan, like, you know, Dana White always talks about it in the UFC. It's like when guys start talking about retirement, usually it's time they should probably call it a career. And, uh, you know, Emmanuel Sanders started alluding to that earlier this, this, this season. And when that starts entering your mind, I just, it probably gets harder to get up, you know, you know, especially when it got cold and Emmanuel Sanders was obviously very, um, you know, you could see it in his face when, it, when the weather turned that it, it wasn't very enjoyable. So, you know, I think maybe they can add another veteran. I think going wide receiver in the draft, if they have a guy high enough graded on their board, I'm not taking that off their board either. And I think you start to look down, down the, the road a little bit. You're going to give Stefan Diggs probably a pretty big extension at some point. You got two more years of rookie deal for Gabriel Davis. That's good, right? But you're going to get you're going to extend Dawson Knox, and I think that that kind of counts in that wide receiver pass catching, you know, uh, boat, if you will. The Davis thing is interesting because if he becomes wide receiver two, and we talked a little bit on the spaces last night about how we view him. If you go to my Twitter account, scroll through the timeline. There's a lot of tweets, but you can find the space. Ryan and I talked about. In, in that space yesterday, Gabriel Davis, is he a wide receiver two moving forward? Does he have wide receiver one potential? Get some of that there. But if he is wide receiver two, it's a long way to, to hear, but I think it's a good conversation. You're going to have to pay him in two years. And if Christian Kirk is getting four years, 85 million, 33 million guaranteed, if Gabriel Davis stays on the um, trend that he's going with the, with the production that he's had already, that is a lot of money that you're going to commit to Gabriel Davis. I think grabbing another receiver, stocking stock the, the cupboards, if you will, in that receiver room, it keeps everybody kind of, you know, keeping the production maybe uh, parsed out a little bit. Yeah. And that's just it. You have to keep those options available because in a few years, as much as Bills fans, as much as the Bills love Gabriel Davis, maybe they can't afford him because they have so many. Uh, contracts on the books at that point in time. Now, obviously, the cap goes up every single year. You can maneuver contracts. You can make things work. Uh, I see in the comments you're talking about the read to the uh, Chiefs for three years, $31.5 million. Um, and that's just another – that's a team that's an example of fitting all these contracts under uh, this umbrella. So the Bills could do the same in time with Gabriel Davis – but it, you, it doesn't hurt to have a first-round pick or a second-round pick brought in here to Buffalo that in a few years, worst-case scenario, if Davis does leave, you have someone waiting in the wings to take over that role. 
lot of stuff going on today. Right before we started, Ryan, um, about an hour before we started, because I went on the other show, John Feliciano uh, broke that news earlier today. He is going to be the new starting center for the New York Giants. And this is something we talked about on the last episode. If you're listening to the Shout Football Podcast, you're usually in the know. I mean, we know, we know a thing or two about a thing or two, don't we, Ryan? That's right. And, and kudos to you for one last week mentioning Feliciano wanting to be center at his next stop, uh, getting ahead of that. And then tonight, breaking the news on Feliciano joining the Giants uh, gets to go back with Bobby Johnson, with Brian Dable. It's it's a, a good signing. It's a good opportunity for him. And, you know, great for you to, to get out there, break that story. I was thrilled to see it. So kudos to you on a job well done. Yeah, so um, that's that's interesting. They're kind of putting together that that Bills pipeline now, right out there. You knew it was going to come. You know the Davis Webb. You know uh, some of the other uh, who was a. Uh, you know just some of the coaching coaches that they brought over. My Mitch guy Trubisky. Antonio Williams. Antonio Williams, big big get, big get uh, for for the New York Giants. Big fan of Antonio Williams in this podcast. Both of us. I still think that was one of the funniest stories too. The fact that he was pretty much going to go be the North Carolina running backs coach uh, at, at NC and just said, Oh no, I got a practice squad spot. I'm going to go back over there. So yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what they put together. there, bringing over uh, s- some bills pieces on the coaching staff. Now some of the players starting to get over there. We talked about it at the top of the show. And if you're just joining us, the numbers are, are popping off here. So we can maybe dabble back into this and maybe the approach that, Brandon Bean now takes at on the offensive line. You have Roger Saffold now. So I think, I think we could probably agree, Ryan, that's four starters right there mm. on your offensive line. And then it's about figuring out what you're going to do with that other guard spot. And Ryan Bates is basically a situation where they're going to tender him. I'd imagine he ends up being back at 2.4 million. I don't know. He had a couple of good games, but I think it's, I think sometimes we overvalue somebody locally because you, you know, as opposed to how people will see him around the league. We'll see. Maybe I'll be wrong there, but I, I'd imagine he'll end up being back. And then it's about, all right, Cody Ford's on the roster. Do you double dip and try to draft a couple interior offensive linemen? Do you bring in another veteran? How do you see them approaching that? I think obviously Bates is the favorite to start at the other spot. Uh, you've mentioned Butker, but you know, with the injury status, who knows there? I, I think the best route to go is to, to probably go middle rounds of this draft, kind of like what they did with tackle this past season. I'm not saying it has to be back-to-back picks, but replenish the stock there a little bit. Maybe go out and see what they they can get in the second or third wave of free agency. Brandon Bean, to his credit, has always had more linemen than you can almost count in the given room at that 90-man roster spot. Guys competing for jobs, guys that you think are going to compete for uh, 53-man rush, but they don't make it, guys that do and sneak on, this, that, and the other. So you're going to still see them draft some guys, add some guys in free agency, but do they have their five guys now? If you include Bates, they very well may in terms of their starting five. Scott Maranto said, uh, big guess, big news reveals, an occasional wet take like Bill should sign Cam Newton, only on shout. That's right, my friend. I actually, I'm, I'm backing off of my Cam Newton take. You know, one of the things that came out of Cam Newton being in New England at the end there uh, when Mac Jones ended up winning that job was it came out that he wasn't great like in the film room, right? At least that was the take. I don't know how accurate that was. I don't think Mac ever said it, but I don't know if he would ever actually say that. 
But that is something that you probably take into consideration. You want to bring in somebody that's going to push Josh and be a, a, a resource for him in that quarterback room. So you start to look at guys like Ryan Fitzpatrick, one of the smartest quarterbacks in the league. Obviously, has been in a bunch of places, a bunch of different stops, a bunch of different systems. Uh, that kind of makes sense. Tyrod Taylor, I think, is a fun idea, although I don't know if he'd consider coming back to the the scene of the crime, which I'm sure he views it as a crime, uh, the way that his situation was handled. That was the beginning of a series of unfortunate events for Tyrod and then obviously some other options. I, I agree with uh, Joe Miller. I was on his show earlier. I do like the idea of Kyle Allen because of the relationship that he has with Josh. Yeah, Kyle Allen is up there high on my list. The relationship, the, the fact that they both work with Jordan Palmer. Uh, he wasn't tendered by Washington. Someone that could come in here, younger guy, has started some games in the NFL. He makes sense. You mentioned Fitzpatrick. You know, I see in the chat here, Marcus Mariota. Uh, there was a time where everyone thought Mariota was going to get starter money. He was going to get an opportunity, but those jobs are kind of filling up fast. Uh, and there's still that Jimmy Garoppolo domino to, to kind of fall, at least the anticipation of that happening. Obviously, Watson most likely getting traded here in, in the near future as well. So uh, maybe if, if a guy like Mariota sits out there for another week or so or a few more days, maybe he kind of goes the Trubisky route and says, you know what? Uh, I, I could kind of have a similar situation. I can sit one year. Uh, behind Josh Allen, I can be that guy that can that help them out in terms of uh, being a scout team QB, being that person that can come in and start two to four games if something happens to Josh, having the versatility to run and pass, something that would obviously mimic Allen's style of play to a certain extent. It, it makes sense, but again, you're going to have to wait and see what happens there in terms of what he gets offered or if anyone offers him any money in free agency. Before we dip out of here, and uh, I think we'll be back tomorrow night if there's enough uh, news to bring us here. Uh, if not, definitely be back for the Wednesday show. Let's let's end on this. Any any bold prediction uh, for the next 24 hours or maybe into the start of free agency? I don't know if it's a prediction, but something that like I I could see going. I, I think Bills fans might be disappointed that maybe there isn't a, a, a major big swing coming. I'm starting to get that sense. I I really view the way that Brandon Bean is kind of attacking this in a very strategic way, very much like he has the last two seasons, uh, finding really uh, affordable options, plugging a bunch of holes, and then maybe taking a, a couple swings in the draft. Like they have nine picks, Ryan. Like I I really like the idea of getting aggressive in the draft. Trading up maybe for a guy like maybe Stingley falls and that's your guy. Maybe Booth is a guy that you think won't be there at 25 and you want to trade up and go get him uh, or whoever it is. Get aggressive and and get your guy that you want, especially if you kind of play it the right way. And then, you know, if the money works out long term, I see people talking about a trade for for Daniil Hunter. That could be something that it doesn't have to happen week one of free agency. That could be something that maybe you can kind of work at if Chandler Jones doesn't work out. Maybe you work at that over the course of the next couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And not a bold prediction. But I'll, I'll guess or predict that their next signing is a tight end. I really think that they want to uh, run more two tight end sets. Obviously, we're seeing some players that go, go for some funny money, though. Uh, Evan Ingram, Jacksonville, Will Disley got a lot more than I was anticipating uh, in his contract. I want to say three years, 24 million, something like that, around that range. 
Um, so may, maybe it's a, a Smythe from Miami. Um, maybe it, it's not a big splash player, so to speak, but someone that can come in, that can block, that can catch the ball a little bit. I still think there are some intriguing options out there in free agency, but that's that's my prediction. The next signing might be a tight end or obviously cornerback makes a lot of sense too. All right, everybody. Funny money. That's where we're going to close this thing out tonight. Uh, it has been an awesome show. We thank you so much for coming in here, filling up the chat. You guys are always so awesome with that. If you're hosting a large party this week or maybe this weekend, check out tops huge selection of party platters for a delicious effortless, affordable, no stress way to impress for complete details. Stop by their carry out cafe or visit topsmarkets.com and listen, Keep it locked on Syracuse.com and NewYorkUpstate.com. We have you covered throughout free agency. We're going to have reaction. We're going to have stories. Uh, we're going to have rumors. Ryan has been absolutely crushing it on every rumor that kind of circulates out there. He's headed up at the website. So make sure you head over to both of those. We'll have you covered throughout the time. Ryan, final thought. Give it to me right now. Final thought, buckle up, Bills fans. I know, you know, being after dark, there's going to be quite a bit going on here in, the, in this next week. Might get quiet for a day or two here or there, but there's still plenty of work to be done. All right, for Ryan Talbot, I'm Matt Perino. See you tomorrow night, maybe, if not Wednesday. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.